So here's the thing. I want to explore for the next two weeks, Lord willing, and that's one more thing. Uh, if things shift, we'll communicate. If you don't have the Cornerstone app, download the Cornerstone app, get it. Um, we'll fill you in, give you notifications. You'll be on the, cut, you know, the front end of any shifts that are going on. But, you know, because we have the live stream, we can be nimble. But it is our intention to, as long as possible, to continue on and to be able to gather together. And for those who feel the desire to do it, to come and to be among us and share this time. But the series, Exhale, was about us sharing the grace of God. And it's what we were wanting to do at Easter time as well. And we're preparing for that. But the next two weeks, you know, last week I talked about how we can share with our friends. Talked about an example of the scripture, Philip and Nathaniel. Now I want to take a remarkable incident that had to do with Jesus and one of the most fascinating exchanges in terms of just an interaction moment that if you read it, it's pretty intense. And uh, it's something I want to sit with. What's called in the scriptures, the healing of the demoniac. And uh, we're going to look at this together. The, it, was, it was the man who called himself Legion. And I want to approach this with humility, realizing that there are more than a few ways to understand this passage. And yet, in my mind, it is so relevant. So as a backdrop, I want to let, suggest two quick realities that I want to just set on the board for us. And this is helpful for those of us who are also taking notes as well, but I want to suggest from the outset here that Jesus is a healer, right? He is the healer of our body, of our mind, and of our spirit. The Lord longs to heal, loves to heal. He is the gentle healer. And when, he, when he's welcomed into our lives, we will, we will experience, listen, dimensions of healing. That is going to be the norm. The more the Lord is welcomed in, out of that will come dimensions of healing, and it will affect every aspect of our life. It will. Can't always tell which one in which way, but it will. It flow, life will flow out when the healer is welcomed in. We might see it show up in our own mind, our own heart, or our body, in our, in our relationships, but certainly spiritually. But there's another truth that I want to mention as well, and something maybe even more relevant now than it was a week ago, and that is that we live in a culture that is in pain. And it is filled with fear. And again, it's, you know, many are tormented, many are afflicted. We have self-destructiveness in our culture and violence. And there is addiction, a lot of addiction. And many are racked with identity confusion and, and filled with anxiety. And some are very, very afraid. Some of us are very afraid. I mean, we've gotten more afraid, um, you know. But into the culture, Jesus comes, and into it, he speaks. And let us remember something he said, and this is in Matthew 11. I know it's a verse that's often quoted, but worth well remembering now. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, right? Come on, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Ah, his burden is light. The message translation puts it a slightly different way. I like it. Just wanted to put it up there as well. Where, are you tired? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And, this, and look at this. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
How good is that? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Yes. This is about breathing in and breathing out the goodness of God and living in his gracious ways and extending them out wherever we go. And so keeping that in mind, Jesus the healer, Jesus the one who wants us to not be tied up in knots or tied up in fear. Um, my way is a light way. My burden is a walk with me. The walk with me and don't hold on to things too tightly. Now we're going to look at this portion of scripture. It's having to do with that healing that I referred to. And it's an intense passage, but it's got so much life in it for us. And again, if you have your Bible, you can look in the handout right now, but we're going to kick right into this. It says, this is Mark 5. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And uh, what was the land of the Gerasenes? If we, if we can, we'll just put up a quick little map again to give everybody an idea of the Bible and, and just the region we're talking about here. You see where Jerusalem is, same place it was in Jesus' day, it's still today. If you go up north, you know how it is. You, you see the, the Jordan River flowing out of the Sea of Galilee. You see the Sea of Galilee, it's like a harp. It's the shape. They were on, and you see where the region of the Gadarenes is. They were on, Jesus and the disciples were on, we would probably say the, the northwest side. They cut across the sea. It's more of a lake. They cut, it's beautiful, by the way. They cut across the lake and landed on the eastern side, probably a little east, southeast. And they were getting out and stepping out of the boat from the water onto the land. And as they did that, we're told something happened. That when Jesus, look at this, stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And it sets the stage, again, for one of the most remarkable exchanges in all the scriptures. The way it's described is that as soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, this man begins to run at him, probably in, at first from a distance. You noted it, coming out of the, the sort of the mountain. He's running full speed in their direction from the tombs and the caves that were most likely carved out of the mountainside. So they're getting out of the boat. Jesus is stepping. And in the distance, there's this man coming down the hill that's been sort of these areas where it was carved out of the side of the mountain where, where people used them for tombs. And these caves. And this man is coming, but he's running full speed at Jesus. And we're told here that he had, a, he had what the Bible describes as an unclean spirit. Uh, that is, he was afflicted by what we would refer to as a fallen demonic spirit, a lying spirit that in some ways attached itself to this man. And again, we're given more details. Look at verse 3. He lived among the tombs. And look what we're told. No one could bind him anymore. You could, not even with a chain. It was almost impossible for them to get control of him. And I, 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 Luke's account gives us another added, added description. Check this out. In Luke 8, I had them put this up. It says, when Jesus stepped out on the land, look at this. There met him a man from the city who had demons for a long time. He, he, wore no, he had worn no clothes, and he was naked. And he had not lived in a house but he actually was living among the tombs. So we're given this added description here. His home had essentially been a graveyard, and it's where he now lived, among the dead. And he was so wild and so antisocial that he was unable to function among the living. People were, people were afraid of him. 
And rightfully so. That's what we're being told here. But it had not always been that way. He had a family and friends at one time in his life. We know that from what happens later. And how he had slid into the condition that he was now in, we don't know. And and we're told that he was strong and not easily subdued. In fact, it's implied that he almost had an, almost like a supernatural, like someone who was beyond normal power, not unlike someone who is on drugs that is almost oblivious to pain. He had become inured to pain. So wild that he could not be held for long and would break free. In fact, we're told, look at that, go back to the text there in verse four, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And look at verse five, a sad description of a man in great pain, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains. He was always crying out, kind of wailing out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, in our mind's eye, I mean, he, he, he's a picture of a man who's utterly confused and in pain, screaming, crying out, right? He was, he, we would say, he was a cutter. He, he cut himself with sharp stones, crying out in pain and So tormented was he. He scared people. Think about this. He scared people and he hurt himself. And I thought, how relevant this is. Because that's, listen, that's what some people who are in great pain do. They they hurt themselves. We We hurt ourselves. Some of us have even harmed ourselves. Some of us have even... And may the Lord help us, but we may have been in so much pain, we even had cut ourselves. And, and, and this is a picture that we're being given of someone harming, hurting himself. It could be any, see, see the picture? Look at verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, so get the picture again. Kind of get it in our mind. I know it's almost possible. I kind of have the, because I kind of have a sense of the terrain a little bit, like the pastel water, the Sea of Galilee, and sort of the, the brown, taupey color of the mountainside, maybe a little bit of greenery, but really this particular area would have probably had caves carved out, kind of that tan, darker, kind of yellow or light, lighter color brown on the mountainside with crevices cut out where people put bodies and use it as a kind of a graveyard. From that distant place, this man starts running towards Jesus at full speed. He is naked and he is running with intensity. And I imagine the disciples with Jesus getting out of the boat. And as they step out of the boat, they're looking at him. And I I would assume their first reaction was to begin to step forward here because this, this, this doesn't look good. And, and perhaps they decided, because remember a group of men, they decided they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna stand there. But even they are a little taken aback by the intensity of what's happening. And everybody is kind of ready when all of a sudden he does something that they didn't expect. We're told here, what does he do? Running at full speed, then right towards Jesus from the mountain in the graveyards. He's running down totally naked, and he throws him, a wild man, wild hair, cuts all over him, and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Look what we're told here. 
It says, and he cried out with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, do not torment me. This is the, look, he was saying to him, because, because why? Jesus has said, come out of him. Jesus has said to the man, come out of him, you unclean spirit. Again, the, the, this is, okay, this is what the Bible calls as a, a spiritual confrontation at a high level. And Jesus essentially said, unclean spirit, leave this man. Jesus asked him, and I would assume it was calm and mild, or at least with intention. What is your name? Look at verse 9. And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. This is how the unclean spirit described itself. My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, remember, stay with me. The, the spirit was so intertwined with the man that it, is very, that it is very difficult from the passage to know exactly who is talking. But listen, they, the spirits in him, in, in him had in some mysterious way become legion. And it's why I would like to refer to this man as legion. Because it's the only name that's actually associated with him. And when Jesus asked him, he said, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion. He spoke it physically. And look at verse 10. And he begged him earnestly. So then it shifts back to the spirit. You can see what's going on here. And he begged him earnestly, the spirits, not to send them out to the country. And now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. We're giving these details. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So now the spirits are speaking and, and he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea. They drowned, they drowned over the cliff. They drowned in the sea, we're told, like raging mad. And the herdsmen fled and they told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what had happened. It was like, a, it was like watching a, a giant wreck. And they came to Jesus Hearing about the pigs that had gone over the cliff, the entire herd in his mad craze, and they came to Jesus and they see this demon-possessed man, the one who had, look at this, who had had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, clothed and in his right mind, and, and they were afraid. Uh, what has happened here? Now, this passage which I know is intense, has so much to do with spiritual confrontation and deliverance, but it also has two other things in it that I find so relevant. Maybe you see it. It has to do with identity and wholeness. Legion, again, that was not his real name, was a man dominated by an oppressive, self-negating, anti-life force. Demonized to a point of delusion and despair, disturbed enough to damage and tear and cut his body, bound up to such a degree that his identity as a person had been lost. Who was he? And it's true. We will, we will rarely, if ever, meet someone bound up at, in this level of spiritual bondage. But I do believe in the power of darkness because Jesus talked about it and he insisted it was real. And I believe that many of those who harm themselves and harm others actually are affected by by uh, such spirits. Maybe not in the same way. But if you think about it, it is not uncommon to hear people who do very disturbing things and seriously hurt and kill others to afterwards when they are 
being questioned, say, in some bizarre but sometimes dark way, I heard these voices. And um, from our perspective, our series is, is Exhale. It's at least in, in part about the power of the gospel to heal and transform and how we who love him are to share this message. But Jesus said, my words, listen, are spirit and they are life. And he is able, this is what we are saying, he is able to quell troubled minds, whether they're afflicted by spiritual oppression or very dark mental illness or simply by the impact of sin in this broken world or just the wearing down of life or even when our mind is troubled by anxiety or a fear that seeks to dominate us. Those are different levels of, of kind of their own way of, of tormenting us. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, let me put, this, put it out this way. And again, for those of us who are just sort of sitting with things and, and want to sit with them through the week, let me put this up there and, and suggest this, that the more settled we are in Christ Jesus, the less we will be gripped by fear and anxiety. The more we are settled in Jesus, the less we will be gripped by fear and anxiety. And how relevant is that for right now? When there is so much, look, okay, here's how I was talking to someone I was saying, some of us came into this, this period now where all of a sudden this epidemic is, is kind of breaking out and there's so much fear and concern around it. And, you know, it's, it's not like a normal flu, but no one knows exactly what's going on and creating it's easily, more easily spread. And there's a lot of fear. And here's the thing. Many of us already were dealing with things that we were highly stressed over. I guess not even counting the other areas in our life where there were high levels of stress or anxiety or fear at work in our lives. You then layer on a low-grade collective cultural fear that seems to be running rampant on top of it. And again, some of it is, is legit, but not all of it. You put that on top of whatever else we're carrying, that can break a person. That can break us down. And so part of what we need to be sitting with here is to remember, again, like we just mentioned in here, is that the more settled we are, we need to settle ourselves in Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Like if, you, if that thing starts to creep up in us and starts to define us and starts to break us down, re-find re ourselves in Jesus. Settle in the Lord. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, as we've been saying but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. And if we find our mind starting to go in the, a direction that is not helpful, we're starting to imagine things or anticipate things or walk down roads that we don't, that will be not, they're not helpful to us at all. It's one thing to exercise a degree of foresight and wisdom, say, practice, all that's fine, but not to when we start to let fear paralyze us and begin to corrupt our best relationships and steal away our mind and fill us with anxiety and stress. We start to feel it in our bodies. And all of a sudden now we're scared of everything. And, and what, how, to live a life like that? Okay, I am going to, sh I'm going to put something out. It's a verse I wrestled with sharing. In fact, the whole text today I was going, Do I, should I share this or not? And I felt like, you know, I'm just going to share the verse because it, it, it spoke to me. And it's an intense verse, so for some of us, it might be jarring. Jesus said it. 
And I'm not just throwing that out there like he said it without a context. But I am setting it up for a reason. Because it, it was what came to my mind when I felt fear attempting to rise up in me. It came to my mind. And here it is. It's from Matthew. And it says this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Right? But fear him who can destroy both soul and body. And I know it's intense in hell. What Jesus, what, I'll tell you what I got from that was that I needed to be less fearful about my, listen, not foolish, but less fearful. And place my trust in the Lord much more. Again, Think about that. You can pull that down. But every, every believer really is called to not allow fear. Because here's the thing. If we, truly believe what Je- this is, if we truly believe what Jesus taught us about what we are ultimately to be afraid of, it will affect, affect our ability to move through it. If I truly trust the Lord and believe in the life power of Jesus after this life, it will affect how I think about being afraid of myself, of what can happen to me at a physical level because I realize that the true me is more than just this. In fact, this will be left behind. Not one part of me in this way will be taken and it can't even last. I'm not trying to get out of life on this side faster. I'm simply saying as Jesus reminded us to make sure that we had our priorities straight and to not get so consumed in trying to protect the outer that we lose sight of what's even more important on the inside. It's not an exclusive exclusion of one and say, be carefree and careless. No, that wouldn't even be right, not even for those who are, have less, who could be affected by choices we make. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, put the accent in the right place. That's what Jesus taught us, is think foremost and for, and put at the highest priority the spirit and the soul and the heart, right? Here's another thing to be aware of. Check this out. Every follower of Jesus has been called into a ministry to be healers in his name. I am convinced of this. The declaration of the gospel of Christ alone has power to deliver. Uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. The message of Jesus, uh, simply and authentically shared, has the power to dislodge strongholds and, and heal. Like, it can, like the message of Jesus, when authentically shared and received, can actually change a person. It can set a, a man or a woman completely free. And so you and I are called to, just like Jesus was a healer, we're called to exhale grace wherever we go as much as we can and whatever way possibly we can. So that as we make our way into the week and into our circles of relationships, into our friendships, in our job places, that we are to seek to be healers and peace bringers. And we are to help create less fear, not add to it. And then we are to ask God to help us have our minds settled and our hearts calm so that we in turn may be able to bring the life of Jesus. Our calling is to share him, but it is very hard to share him if inside we're all disturbed. That is why God wants to settle us and align us and create internal cohesion so that while everything else may be going on, we can stay in a settled place in Christ. Come unto me, all you who labor and are weary and are heavy laden, right? Come to me, take my yoke. Don't carry what I'm not assigning you. Don't think about what Jesus is inviting us into, right? Think about that. 
And we are in, in far, we are actually wounded. We are called to be in our imperfections. We're not Jesus, but we are called to be wounded healers in his name. We're healers who are, we are people who are being healed, who are called to heal. That's what our, part of our great privilege is to share the message of Jesus, to bring his life and his peace and his goodness in all the circles of our life. Right? That's what we've been, and I look at it and I go, that's exactly what's going on. Right? And, that's what our, and that's what our mission as a church is actually, is to live out our faith in Jesus and invite others into, into life with him. And I'll, I'll, I'll add one more thing to this. Into a culture, and this is one more closing thought here, but into a culture adrift in identity confusion, Jesus brings clarity and cohesion. That is, he confirms our true identity. That's what he did with this man. He didn't know who he was. And Jesus settled him in his identity. If you think about it, Legion, again, was so mixed up. We're going to see that next week, Lord willing, as he accepts Jesus' words over his life, that he's actually brought to a place of, of peace and healing. And so it will be with all of us. No matter how troubled we have been, no matter how real our bondage or turmoil there is one who can bring peace and cohesion into our life or at least make it possible for greater peace and cohesion so that we're not fighting ourselves. We're not allowing fear and anxiety to run away, nor are we sort of having a civil war on the inside. The more aligned we are with Christ, the more capable we, are, capable we will be of representing his goodness and life and grace in the circles that we go. It's hard to represent him if we're, if we're afraid of things. And it's hard to talk about his peace if we're filled with anxiety. It's hard to offer his wholeness when we feel all broken, see? What I'm talking about is a unified self centered in our identity as one loved. Firstly, I guess what I'm saying is that the number one way we should define ourselves, if we're a follower of Jesus, we've made that decision, the number one way we are to define ourselves, I know this is going to sound like, what? In this cult, the number one way we are to define ourselves is as a beloved son or a beloved daughter of Christ. And everything else is secondary. Um, not, by, not the color of our skin, our ethnicity, our sexuality, our status, no, my truest identity is to allow him, Jesus, to define me as a beloved son or a beloved daughter. When I see myself there, firstly, it affects everything else that I do. That's the starting place. It Once we start there, seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things shall be added to you. They'll fall into their place. This season, this time... is one of those times that is actually an opportunity, but it, it's also one of those times where it's not gonna stay, we're not going to stay the same. There are certain seasons in life that the one thing we know is we won't be the same person we were going into them. And I suspect this is one of those seasons. We're either going to come out of this more afraid and more damaged, or we're going to come out of this stronger and more deep. 
because we've settled certain questions and been forced to look at things and think about things. One of those things being how fragile life is and what is truly important to me in life and how things can be taken and shifted so fast, so rapidly. How nothing should ever be assumed. I mentioned this. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm valuing the idea of hugging. <laughs> right? I, 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 being present. Things that matter that make us very human. And those things now, you know, I'm going to be very careful about being sequestered and cut off and not having the opportunity to engage in real ways. Things we take for granted, even about how our, our you know, society is set up. I mean, I, I suspect things will, are going to, to turn around. And um, I'm assuming that as well, that that will happen also at a fiscal level with our markets and all these things. But may this time also cause us also to have a more deeper understanding of our life with God and what, what real value in life is. And remember what Jesus taught us, that it's not about things that fade away as, as fast as they... I mean, we, we build our life on things, and now what we are realizing is how, how actually vulnerable and fragile things really are. And it's good for us, because it remind, it should, if it drives us back towards God into a cohesive self with Him, if it strips down some of our veneer and makes us ask harder questions and really wrestle, listen, with the reality of what we believe. I may say I believe in Jesus and the life to come, but then be so afraid about things that I can't even control and will not be helped by me being afraid of them that I'm actually walking in, in a way that undermines my conviction about what I say I believe. We need to live into what we say we believe in Christ. The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives. Let us not be afraid. We can be wise, that's fine, but not afraid. Walk in his peace. So here's the thing. I'm going to pray the blessing for all of us. But... Uh, we can't here. Actually, we're going to have our giving time, but we actually have to make one little change. Uh, we're not going to pass the plate. So uh, we know more and more are giving anyway through the app and, and online. That's what I do. Um, but if you do feel like you, you want to give in a more traditional way, there'll be some ushers. They'll have the they'll have the plate. We figured better than passing it around. They'll be on your way out if you want to do that. It's totally up to you uh, and your conviction in, in the Lord. But uh, I, I would I would stay stay with what you know. And draw closer to God. Not, don't pull away. Draw closer. Use this adversity as an opportunity to be a deeper person, a more settled person. Okay, I could keep going, but here's the thing. When the heat is on, stuff comes out, and it reveals where we are. Lord, help us. That's all. I'm going to pray. Let's pray the blessing, and we'll have a quick time of giving. Closing song. Ah, Lord, I just thank you for the great opportunity to be able to just share uh, the message of Jesus together here and with all those who are joining us right now. Uh, you know, I pray that blessing over all of us. Help us to remember uh, to live into what we believe, to live into what we believe, to trust you with our future, to trust you with our life, to trust you even with our fears to remember that you are our greatest security, to fear not even the loss of the body. If it, if it, if it, I know, I know, what? But I, even that, God, not to, be, not to be so afraid 
that it robs us of our ability to love and live and walk in the life that you want us to walk into. So I just pray that you would keep working. I pray that blessing, I do. I pray the blessing of peace and trust and confidence and power and love and soundness of mind. Be our great rescuer, our great healer, our great redeemer, and let our love for you grow even stronger in this time. Bless everyone, everyone around us, Lord, all those who are hurting, anyone who's in need. We just speak blessing and life, but let it flow out of us, in us and out of us. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray it for ourselves even now. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. Thank you, God.